On today's episode, let's talk about if someone you know is addicted to pornography, here's why and here's what you can do in your brain tip strategy. So make sure you stay tuned until the end of this podcast because I'm going to give you a strategy to help your brain stay in the middle in medium processing speed so that you can A, stay sane while you help your loved one, and secondly, you will be in problem-solving mode instead of problem-seeking mode so that you can contribute to the solution as much as possible. So first we're gonna talk about the cycle of pornography addiction and how it becomes addictive in the first place. And of course, secondly, that's going to talk about what is happening in the neural mechanisms in your brain. Lastly, I'm going to give you, the loved one of someone who is struggling with pornography, a brain tip to help you move into better days. Okay, so how does pornography become addictive in the first place? So we know from the science that when people struggle with a pornography addiction, many times it is born out of trauma or family dysfunction. And it works like this, that a young person who is on average near the age of eight to 10 years old, discovers pornography and it floods their brain with dopamine, making their brain feel better than it has ever felt before. And that is in stark contrast to the feelings that they get in their family of origin or at school or in their world. So trauma doesn't have to be a big T trauma, even though many times it is. It can be what's called a small T trauma, just not being seen in your family, not getting your needs met. It can be being yelled at. That's verbal abuse being yelled at, physical abuse being hit. Uh, it can be sexual abuse. Many times if someone is sexually abused, then that is played out in a way of controlling that experience as watching pornography and being in control as a fourth wall observer of sexual acts that are similar to that of which happened to them in that sexual abuse. Neglect, just not getting the attention that they need. So what happens is the human condition or the person's world is a tricky one. It's it's challenging. And then at the same time, they find this super normal stimulus that floods their brain with this neurochemical that just takes the edge off. It numbs their brain. It makes them feel good. It gives them pleasure. It reduces their pain, which is the polar opposite of what is going on in the world. And the, what happens is after that initial exposure to pornography, their brain is hooked. And many people will tell me it only took one time and I was going back for more. Even though what I saw on the screen I thought was disgusting, it made me feel so good I had to go back. And then what happens is after a second time, their brain habituates. It's trying to figure out what is this flood of dopamine? What is going on? Let's balance this thing out so that we can get back to feeling like we did back to normal, back to homeostasis. And in the doing so, the brain habituates and recalibrates the amount of dopamine in the system that's necessary to get the same response as was gotten during that first exposure to pornography. So guess what happens the second time they're exposed? More dopamine is flooded into the system, giving them an even higher high of the feeling that they had the first time. And from there on, it's a slippery slope back into the screen 
to push the easy button, to take the edge off of anxiety and problems and the uncomfortable, discomfort, negative feelings of the real world. And it becomes the easy button for pain reduction and for escapism. And unfortunately, after just a few times, the brain learns this is all I need to do to escape from my reality. Now, the difference between alcoholism or drug addiction is that this happens in childhood. We know right now the average age where a kiddo is exposed to pornography is eight. Back in the day, it used to be 10. So now you're exposed to literally an internalized drug response in the brain at a very young age instead of in young adulthood when most people find alcohol or drugs. So this is a major factor that can be the difference between, you know, this habit being 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old for some people, opposed to when people start drinking in adulthood, their brain is more developed and at the same time, they have less of a history of consuming the the drug of choice to take the edge off of their brain. So my point about that is this habit is initialized in childhood and is begun to be uh, consumed with frequency and consistency and across adolescence and young adulthood into adulthood, there tends to be the escalation of intensity. So more frequent sessions, longer sessions, more consistently, and going into more intense genres. And some people will move on to sexually acting out behaviors with people in the real world in terms of webcam sex, where they can participate a bit, or even using escorts and prostitutes or affairs. We know that pornography consumption not only is linked to sexual violence and abuse, it's also linked to these bigger sexually acting out behaviors. That is why it is so dangerous. So going back to how this, this habit initialized and how a pornography addiction happens in the first place, the brain gets hijacked and it gets hooked very early on, and then it develops a dependency. Now, the sleuthy and the tricky part of it is that this dependency is internalized. The drug of choice is internalized, which makes it very difficult to overcome because after years of consuming pornography, that mechanism can be internalized where a person can just go to fantasy. Okay, so let's move on to what is the cycle of addiction? when it comes to pornography. So we know that science shows that the majority of people are using pornography for mood regulation to take the edge off of anxiety or boredom perhaps, but it's mostly anxiety. So it every person has a distinct cycle. Some people might not be aware because it might be a loose cycle that happens over months, but a cycle indeed. And the cycle starts this way. At the top of the cycle, there's a trigger. And the trigger is typically a stressor. So something stressful happens. You have a breakup, you something goes wrong at work, you have a lot of stress at work, you have a fight with your partner. A stressor triggers you to want to move towards the screen to hit the easy button to make that feeling go away. So then what happens is when you move towards the screen in a ritualized or routine method, your brain starts dripping dopamine. And so you're starting to get a little bit of the flow of the honey, the nectar that your brain is looking for, just because you've had the thought 
that you're going to watch pornography and you start moving towards setting up and getting ready to. Then what happens is during the ritual of preparing, your brain's making more dopamine. You already have the edge taken off and you haven't even acted out yet. Then during a pornography session, there is very high levels of brain stimulation, visual, uh, auditory, there's physical stimulation because most times pornography consumption is is also coupled with masturbation, extreme levels of physical stimulation more than you can get by being with a partner. So your brain is on this super normal stimulus making more dopamine than it can get anywhere where it is making more dopamine and producing more dopamine very high levels than can be found anywhere in the real world. Unhealthy levels, science shows that this amount of dopamine consistently, frequently, and with high levels of intensity damages the brain. And what it does is it creates underactivity in the frontal lobe, drops it out, and it fries out the reward center in the brain, which means now you have to keep going back more often and for more and for more intense to get the same level of seemingly pleasure from what you used to get. It is moving you in the wrong direction. At the same time, the braking system of your loved one in their frontal lobe is not working. They are not able to pump the brakes on this behavior. So that is how it becomes addictive. They need to go back. So we know that a pornography addiction is actually the number one way that hypersexuality manifests itself. So Compulsive hypersexual behavior disorder has been added to the International Classification of Diseases. It is known to be a diseased neural mechanism. The brain is no longer working in the healthy optimal mode. It's working in a suboptimal mode that makes it go back in a compulsive manner. Compulsion means you need it, even if you don't want it. Some people still want it. Others don't. And they find themselves having to go back to regulate their mood because they have conditioned their brain to hit the easy button. And now their brain no longer can exist in the world where there's not that level of dopamine. So at the same time in this cycle, now after a session and all this stimulation and all this dopamine, now you try to go back into the real world and there's no dopamine there. Your brain's been trained to go into the screen. So you go to your brother's birthday party and you can't even enjoy it. There's no joy. There's no neurochemicals there. You go to work where there normally would be some neurochemicals from being on purpose in your work, none. You can't even do your work. Your frontal lobe's not working and you're getting no reward for it. So your motivation for work declines. Your motivation for your relationships declines. The science shows that people who consume pornography are less attracted and less interested in their partner. That's a sign. If you see that in your relationship and you your partner used to be into you, but now they aren't, that could be because of pornography consumption. So we know that there's not the joy and the happiness in the world anymore. And you can feel it on your loved one. They're trying to get back into isolation because that's where they've trained their brain that the dopamine is. It's an awful cycle. So at the same time, there was lots of dopamine in the screen and now there's lower levels in the world. At the same time, there's higher levels of cortisol, the stress neurotransmitter. So the person feels attacked. They feel like they can't do anything right. 
there's more stress out there than there is in reality. It's a distorted perception of reality. It's an unreality created by this cycle. So of course, now they go into the world and no, no dopamine's there. Plus there's more cortisol, which means there's more anxiety, more stress, which triggers them back into the cycle. Thankfully, there's a change point. And that's where I'm here talking with people because in the change point at the bottom of the cycle, after they've acted out, but before shame and stress sets back in, there's a point where a person feels guilty and guilt is the motivator for change. Guilt is I'm doing something I don't want to, and I don't want to have to do this. And I want help. That's the change point. That's when people reach out to me. By the time I talk to them, they go, I don't know why I made this appointment. I'm like, I do because you were at the change point. Thank goodness. Stay with me in this meeting. I know you're not in the change point now, but I can help you. So what happens at the change point is they haven't hit this low, low of dopamine and the high levels of stress yet. So they're like, I want to change. But then of course their brain keeps moving through that cycle and that stress will increase and they act out again. For your loved one, the easiest time for them to walk away is the second that they have the thought that they're going to act out and consume pornography. They literally have like a three second window. For most people, it's shorter than that at the beginning. They have a one second window. Remember, their brain has been hijacked. So a hijacker literally gets in your car and they are driving the steering wheel. And what this plays out as is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as I always call it. And what happens is sometimes your loved one will be up and will be overly bright, as they call it, and will be pleasant and will be fun to be around and will be high highs. That's when their brain has the dopamine that they are that they need to feel okay. Usually it's before they act out or just after they act out before they hit the low. So they know they're going to watch porn tomorrow. So their brain's already feeling good about it. And that's when you're going to get the high high after they've watched and they've crashed then you're going to get the low, low, or if they haven't been able to get porn in a little while and they're really jonesing for it, those are withdrawal symptoms. And you're going to get the Mr. Hyde who's nasty and unpleasant, angry, feels like the world's against them. So it creates this swinging in mood, hence the need for mood regulation through pornography. So here's your brain tip for today's podcast. I know this is difficult and my heart goes out to anybody who's struggling with pornography addiction because it's so hard for the person who's dealing with it because it's internalized and it's so difficult for loved ones. But this is what I want you to know is that compassion can go a long way and developing compassion and understanding that this is not a choice. And I know it becomes so emotionally driven because it's based in sexuality and the emotions that go along with it. And many partners think that their partner is cheating on them. Just know that their brain needs the stimulation from the screen and it honestly has nothing to do with sex. It has to do with mood regulation and the drug of choice has been internalized by the scenes on the screen. And yes, it's terrible and it feels terrible to you and to, it feels terrible to your loved one. If you are going to help them, the way to do it is to be strong, set some boundaries, 
and help that person help themselves. But realize you're talking to the hijacker. You need to make it so the hijacker leaves so that you can get the person to work on their own cause. You cannot make them do this. Only they can make themselves do it once they've gotten some control over their brain and they've allowed that hijacker to at least get in the, in the passenger seat and no longer in the driver's seat. The people who succeed at a porn brain reboot are those that get 100% committed and then they share it with friends and family members who are safe for them emotionally to get the support to boot the hijacker out and keep him out forever. And being able to become uncomfortable with discomfort along the road can really help you out. Okay, so what I want you to know is I am offering my 90-day program and I have smaller programs. So please go over to drtrishley.com and I'm also working on a partners program. I've teamed up with Adria Sullivan, a very talented psychotherapist who is moving into coaching for betrayal trauma. So we've started a podcast, Sanity After Betrayal. If you are the loved one of someone struggling with pornography addiction, you can become stronger to not only help yourself, but to help your loved ones so that you can heal your brains, both of you, heal your relationship, and you actually can be stronger in the end than ever before. I know it doesn't seem possible now, but it is. So until I talk to you next time, please stay the course so that you can heal your brain. You deserve the life that you want. And until then, control your brain or it'll control you.